Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you were born in the United States or any country whose roots go back to the British Empire, you'll likely learn to speak English. And in our language, there are eight parts of speech, three of which include a noun, a verb, and something called a preposition. And if you're rusty on grammar, a preposition is a word used before a noun to show direction, location, or to introduce an object. With 150 prepositions in English, two of the most common are the words in and on. In is commonly used to show a situation when something is enclosed or surrounded by something else. For instance, don't put all your eggs in one basket. On refers or expresses a situation when something is positioned above something else or is supported by something. For instance, your hammer is on top of the cabinet. Today's guest is conscious of the distinction between these two words because he spends his career empowering contractors to get to work on their business instead of in it to create more capacity to grow and find financial and personal freedom that they strive for. And like so many of our guests, his mission is always in the service of someone else's success. And his name is Jim Johnson, and it is a pleasure to welcome Jim. Welcome to A Climb to the Top. Thanks, Chuck. I, I, I was super excited for that intro. I've watched some of your podcasts, and those intros are always great because you are you're conscious of your guests. You, 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 you take time to get to know them, which uh, it speaks volumes about you. So I'm well, excited. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you for the kind words, Jim. I appreciate it. But getting to know you has been a pleasure. And and as you saw, I try to bring my own background of language. And when I got to know you, and then I looked for the public face, what is it you communicate to the world? And it was such a simple use of of the English language between two prepositions. But it was something that I really, really resonated to. Let someone else work in their business so you can work on it. Help us to understand how you came to that distinction and what you do in the service of these two words. Well, I've, a lot of it have been pretty lucky, uh, to be honest with you. I've had some really good mentors uh, from a young age. Uh, my, my neighbor across the road recognized something in me of an entrepreneurial instinct and, and pretty competitive, to be honest with you. And he gave me a pretty good foundation uh, through more of execution than from necessarily words. In other words, um, he made me work in it before he taught me how to work on it. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was a abject lesson that stuck with me really for the rest of my life. And as I've gone through uh, each one of my iterations as a as an entrepreneur and business owner and and uh, I've always tried my best to position myself into a way where I get great people 
that are very good at specific things working in the business on the thing that they are um, especially great at. And so they're actually working on something too, but inside my business where I'm working on the business overall. And we see so many of our clients uh, and entrepreneurs in general, this is just everybody. We go, hey, we're going to create this amazing business. And we do. We're out there. We work hard. We put in lots of hours. And we end up being an employee of that business because we are doing the accounting. We are doing the, uh, the production part of it. We're doing the sales. We're doing the marketing. We have all these hats on that we're trying to wear as a small, young entrepreneur. And the further you build that and the more business you gain, the more you begin to work in your business to try and execute everything. Where if you kind of flip that on his head a little bit and said, okay, let me identify who I am and what I'm great at. Let me keep doing that. And all these other things that I'm not so great at, find that great person. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And you communicate very much about taking a firsthand, really to me, I saw it as an objective look to allow someone to continue to work in this thing that you do. But I suspect your clients, they don't spend a lot of time working on it because they're so busy being in it. So do you come in and help them to take both a strategic and tactical view or maybe more strategic of what are we going to do to work on it and who are your customers? Yeah, the first thing we do is, to, in all honesty, we kind of, we break down their dream. Like the, all of us as business owners, we come into it with this dream of, hey, this thing's going to be amazing in some shape, form, or fashion. And we, um, uh, we challenge them on what that dream is. Because uh, a lot of times it's about being big, gaining a bunch, retirement, maybe selling the thing, some kind of personal achievement that allows them to feel like they were successful, um, uh, proved everybody wrong, possibly, or set themselves financially, this comfort aspect of things that a lot of people are looking for. And uh, the reality is, in most cases, that really is hard to define a, a number because that's usually what they're after, like some kind of number, 25 million, 100 million, whatever the number may be. And my question back is always like, why that number? Why not you know, 95 or 105? Why that? <laughs> why not a bigger number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why that particular number? Is that uh, some kind of goal that you've set for yourself? And once you get there, then what? Right. Like what, what goes from there? And when you start breaking that down for somebody and you start getting them to realize a bit of the opportunity this vehicle creates for us and for others, uh, you start to get into a little bit, you peel the onion back, right? You're starting to peel the onion back. You're starting to find out a little bit more about the person themselves and what they might really be after. Uh, and, and you hear this all the time, this whole start with why I think Simon Sinek is the guy that made that famous, I, first off, I think it's brilliant. I would challenge it a little bit. I'd love to have a conversation with him on that of where to start. Um, but uh, it is invaluable to understand our purpose. But if it's not aligned with who we are, that's where you see this um, dichotomy of the, all these businesses failing. Because they're after this thing of gain and personal gain and maybe even a, a broad range of gain for everybody that works for them. But if it's not aligned with who they are internally, um, it doesn't keep pushing them doesn't keep driving them. Once we kind of figure out who we are as individuals, we have this ability to apply that to everything we do 
with generosity. And whenever you do that with generosity, you have the law of reciprocity that happens. Um, and, and great things happen. I had it, had it happen in my own life. It was very, uh, your show is all about transformation, right? And I had that happen for me about uh, 17, 18 years ago or so. So, I want to hold on to that because I do want to get to that. Before we do that, though, everything you're describing, and, and please tell our listeners the name of your company, because the key word here is coach, in order to get someone in a coach that pulls a stage with horses, gets people from here to here. Tell us the name of your company and tell us your website right now. Rather than waiting to the end, how do we get to you? Let's put this out there right now. Then I want to get to that other story. It's it's called Contractor Coach Pro. So. Mm-hmm. Contractors who we work with, we are coaches, not consultants or anything like that. I think there's a big difference between those two. And we are the pros. We're the elite. We're the best at what we do. So contractorcoachpro.com is how you would find us. Um, If you're interested in in working with us, there's an assessment button. It's the best place to start. Great. And what I like that is your use of the English language really refines in the rule of three. The contractor coach pro says a lot about who you are and who you do this thing for to allow them to work in their business so you can work on it. So there's a lot of real simple language here that I think is very powerful for someone on the receiving end of the communication of what Jim Johnson does. But what you really do, Jim, you go to work every day in the service of others' success. And while there's a lot of ways to do that, that's just a, a, a great calling. So take us back to that 17 years ago. What got you here, the coach, from there to here? Um, 18 years ago was the culmination of a lot of factors. Uh, One of the factors is I am inherently uber competitive, probably the most competitive person you'll ever meet um, and, and absolutely hate to lose. And so when challenged or told that I can't do something, I take the opposite tact. And I grew up in a home where uh, my dad was uh, abusive, both mentally and physically. And every day of my life, for as long as I can remember living in that home, I was told I was a moron. I wasn't going to amount to anything. I would probably end up in jail. And, and now that I'm older, I understand what he's going through because I was, I was not the easiest kid in the world to raise. I was constantly going 110 miles an hour. And uh, they thought that was going to lead me down a, a pretty bad path. And so for the first, I don't know, 20 years or so of my adulthood, um, it was all about proving everybody wrong. That was my drive. That was what was pushing me. And it was all very much... Um, related to me. I had to prove everybody wrong. And I can remember sitting on my front porch in uh, western Wisconsin. We had you know, uh, quite a bit of acreage, 5,000 square foot log home. Like if you can imagine going to one of those lodges, that's what our house looked like. Um, all the boats, the ATVs, the trucks, the cars, and it, like pretty much anything that you sit there and go, hey, that was the thing I was dreaming about getting, um, we had. And I wasn't feeling any better about myself or what I accomplished or what I'd done. And, and I was sitting on the front steps. I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm like, man, I haven't even used that boat right there's $80,000. I haven't even used that in three years. That car over there, that's an Acura NSX, top of the line, amazing car. I haven't driven it in six months. 
And I'm like, what else do I have to get to prove every, to everybody that I've made it, right? And uh, I can remember, I, I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, I kind of would break down, mental issue, whatever you want to call it, prayerful moment. Um, I just started asking God, you know, what, just tell me, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And everybody talks about God talking to them. I have never heard that, right? Like, I've never heard like, hey, Jim, do this, right? Um, but it was more of a feeling and one word kept resonating. And, uh, and, and as I've reflected back on, I kind of got what was going on. I personally was realizing that I was a very selfish person. The people that worked for me were tools um, to an end to accomplish something that I was all about. And uh, that was maybe not who I was really on the inside. While my actions said one thing, who I really was, was probably another thing. And the word I heard was serve. And so that next day I walked into uh, the office and I went to our first person I came to, our administrative assistant, her name was Ann Hansen. I went, Ann, what can I do to help you with your job today? What can I do to make your life easier? What can I do to improve your joy of coming to work here? And she looked at me like a crazy person. <laughs> well, who are you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, that's not Jim. Jim's wondering how I'm going to get more of these things done in less time all the time. Hold on. Let's examine this. This is a wonderful story. When you heard, however, that word serve came to you, and some people say, God spoke to me. You said, I felt it. Was it a switch or was this a, was a slow click. burn, a click? It was a click for me, and I've talked with others about this, and some other people, it is a slow burn type situation where they're going through a lot to get to there. Right. Uh, for me in my lifetime, and, and, and I've had multiples of these, at certain times, certain things click, and it just all comes together, and, and okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, and I've had, you know, multi, I think most people do. I don't think of it as like a light switch. I think of it as two gears, click, click, click click, you know, just as we improve and evolve with the challenges that we're faced with in life. There's probably a lot of experience that went into that. There's probably a lot of gained wisdom that went into that. Because yeah. I don't think that's something you get when you're 15. You're like, hey, I get it. Run with it, right? right. I think you have to go through a few things before uh, those type of things happen. And so uh, that's kind of how it, it was for me, at least. I, I appreciate that. What a lovely, incredible however it may be, that's an event or that's a series of things that led to the click. You did something that morning that it was either conscious or you were just letting the hand of God play out. You said to Anne, how can I help you? And she looked at you. It's Halloween or you're, you're <laughs> acting or- oh I'll never God. forget that face. <laughs> well, I think when what you're describing someone who is on the other end of a behavioral pattern they're accustomed to is going to look at that with suspicion, skepticism, and begin to question, oh my God, am I about to fall into a trap? I know Jim is setting me up. What were you thinking about what you wanted to convey at that moment to Anne that was contrary to what she expected? 
I was a bit naive, probably, to be honest with you. I genuinely just, hey, what can I do? What can I do to make it better? What can I do to like serve you, help you, whatever way? And you're right. She was like, whoa, this is not the normal. And she looked at it like some kind of setup, right? right. And what I learned is it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be very hard. And then as I met with a sales manager and general manager and my salespeople and my production people and all those people that were in my, I mean, we had 107 uh, people and they saw this new, they're like, now this is, we'll see, right? There was either skepticism or outright, like, I don't even like this new Jim Johnson. There was some of that. We actually lost some people over this because the, the culture now shifted. Um, it, it shifted from this competitive, aggressive, um, devour your enemy type um, thought process to how can we serve our clients better? How can we serve our employees internally better? How can we serve our vendors better? How can we serve the industry as a whole better? And if that's not what you signed up for and it changes on you, you may not be aligned with that new way of being. But when I made the decision to follow that path, and I did know that much, that it wasn't going to fit with everybody. And I, I might be looked at a little bit as like I got a horn, couple of horns coming out of my head or something. Well, what you were doing, though, and I think that's a smart businessman in you, you had to reframe those expectations that, that this is a cultural shift. You couldn't say this is for real. You had to demonstrate it and lead it and then lead by example in order for people to understand, oh, not only is Jim changing, the nature of this organization is changing, and yet your naivety said there are some clients that are not going to buy into this. What did you do about that? Um, I had conviction in my belief that it was the right path. Hmm. Um, I've been always wired that upon making a decision, you're convicted in it and go. You can't just dip one toe in the pool. Like I'm the guy that dives in right away. I don't even ask how cold it is. Uh, So, and I I also wasn't manipulative about it. I, after seeing Ann's face, I realized, hey, this is going to be a little bit harder. And then as I talked to others, it got harder and harder. The first thought that hit my head was, all right, we need to call a meeting. I need to explain to everybody what's going on. But I think that would have been a bad decision at that point because I hadn't, been the example long enough to say really what was going on maybe this was just a phase maybe this was just a you know a couple of days and the real jim johnson will come back and what they didn't realize that they were seeing the real jim johnson for the first time and so um it took about a month maybe month and a half and there was some friction happening between uh, employees and, and this new way of doing things there was some friction between clients and I was just adamant about it. Like, hey, if that's not uh, the company you want to work with, that type of company, uh, we're not the company for you because this is who we're going to be. Hmm. And the more I stuck with it, the more I, I held the line and was accountable to it, the more everybody else started to believe in it, the more everybody else started to do it. And the ones that didn't align with were leaving. And so about a month and a half, I would say into it, People started to go, yeah, this isn't going away. And that's when I had the meeting. And I told them the story of what had happened and uh, why it was so important and why I thought it was so important for them too. I think it was a great thing for them to see in somebody that may apply to their own lives. 
Yeah, Jim, this is fascinating because that lead by example, what's in my head right now is the Carl Jung, the great psychologist who once said, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And most people are not conscious of the fact that at any given click, they get to make the rules. And at any given click, they get to decide who they wish to become. Yet, to get buy-in from people who for years expected A, only to watch the evolution of somebody turning to B, it may take a while to get them bought into this because their muscle memory said A has always been prevalent and he was the one screaming in my ear. Now B is demonstrating an empathetic leadership style, which tends to be contagious, even more so than the opposite of yelling and screaming. So what I'm yeah. describing, Jim, is a leadership continuum. And think about a straight line to our listeners. On the very end of the line, you have something called command and control. You're on the battlefield and you give an order and you follow it. On the other end is something that's very googly-like and it's called collaborate and connect. What you're describing, Jim, you went from one end of this spectrum. You didn't slide all the way to the other end. My guess is, and this is what emotionally intelligent leaders find in the continuum, you found somewhere in between, right in the middle, to be able to take that command and control thing that you were, sliding to the collaborate and connect to demonstrate an empathetic leadership style that met in the middle. Is that a uh, fair assessment? That was, I feel like I feel like you just did to me what I do to, to a lot of people. <laughs> I work injured spirits here. <laughs> um, first off, we, we, we have some pretty strong beliefs about um, uh, leadership. There's really kind of two sides to it, motive and nature. Uh, and, and on the natural side of things, we tend to be one of two things, either autocratic or democratic, right. uh, the, that command versus the collaborate, right? right. Uh, but the motive thing is one of those things that can, like nature is hard to change. It just is a lot of how you're hardwired and who you are at your core. Right. And I tend to be that command and control guy, very competitive and all of those things. Right. And now I'm trying to do something that wasn't necessarily my nature but it was who I was. I want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's where my heart was and what I wanted to, uh, how I wanted to be, uh, of effect on the people around me. Mm -hmm. So on the motive side though, that can change literally at the snap of a finger or a click, something happens and you go, okay, this new way of being, and you were right. Like it didn't move all the way over here and we were all collaborative and, you know, joy. <laughs> yeah, there, there was no rainbows and unicorns um, <laughs> because Jim was still competitive. And, and just, nor, nor would you have wanted to dismiss that. that no, that's a strike. We just, we just got competitive about a different thing. Right. We got competitive about serving each other. Right. Yeah. And serving our clients and serving our industry and our vendors and our, everybody. Right. As a matter of fact, we changed our entire uh, purpose at that time to we make it easy. That was that was our purpose. Whoever we came in contact with, we make it easy. And I felt like that was a great um, 
a verbalization of what we were trying to do from a service aspect of things. Wow, that is beautiful, Jim, because I, I you know, it, it's what we do as coaches to help people in the transformation and the recognition that if you're going to change anything, the first thing to do is to change yourself. And that's what you did. And by changing yourself, you changed a culture. And by changing a culture, you changed other people's behaviors. Yeah, I think, I think we tend to take action on our beliefs, right? Like, I believe this thing, so I take action on that. Right. Um, and I believe that those beliefs can change over, right. you know, depending upon what's happening. You may gain it through knowledge. You may gain it over some time. It may be a, a motive situation. But those beliefs can change. But who you are, like, that doesn't change. I think that is something really almost from birth that you are just naturally hardwired to do things in a way that your inner heart says this is the right thing. We don't always listen to it. We don't always believe in it. We don't always take action on it. But when that, when that shift changes, everything gets really easy. It just does. Yeah, what you're describing, though, is not just a change. You, you, you change your mind so that you may change your heart. And what you did, you made up in your mind that one day in the click to change your heart. You didn't change your natural tendency. That's the competitor in you. You brought it with you. But you changed your heart, and you looked at Anne Hansen through the lens of something else. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that heart was always there, though. I think it was always there. I just didn't realize it. <laughs> Nor did you and that's, know how to and, bring it out. <laughs> well, that well, that was the friction that was going on in my life. There was the the belief and the outward actions that were showing one thing, but internally I was feeling another thing, and it was causing friction. And as soon as I took what I was really feeling inside and started to believe in that and take action upon that, the friction went away completely. Wow. Now let's, let's flash forward to now, because if you made that change many years ago, it drove you to outcomes, unexpected or expected. Something happened along the way that must have been a driver to success. Bring us up to date then. Tell us about your business and all those things that you did as to where it is today and who you serve. Well, when we made that shift, uh, the, the first thing I noticed people enjoyed, like once they went, okay, this is real. This isn't some kind of facade. <laughs> it's not a trap. They, yeah, they kind of got bought into it. Um, there was a lot more joy in being at the office or helping a client. Uh, there was more celebrations about doing something really cool uh, for the people that we were working with or for. Um, and, and so that was the first big thing. And I kept being very consistent with this um, attitude of serving. And what I noticed, and it wasn't, it wasn't my motive by any means. Um, as I've gotten older, I started to realize kind of what's going on. But what I noticed is every time I would give, I would get way more back in return. And uh, that wasn't like, I wasn't doing it for that reason. I want to be really clear. I, like if I didn't get anything back in return, I was still good with it because it's who I was. Um, but I noticed it and the company grew. Uh, we went from doing approximately 5 million to 30, 35, 40 million on a pretty consistent basis. Um, each year uh, was able to sell that business. 
uh, started another business that was very similar, but doing commercial work instead of residential work. That went really well. Uh, and during all that time, uh, as an act of service, I'm trying to make things easier for the people that work for me. I started working on some software. And I said, hey, if we could use software to make what we do easier and automate some things, um, I'm doing what I believe in and who I am. And we did, we created a pretty cool tool that would measure a lot of the components that we would do out there. And, and all you had to do was put in one measurement, it would snap the whole grid, tell you everything that was on there, give you the whole estimate, all the order, the whole bit, everything you needed um, out, out in the field. And uh, somebody saw that and said, hey, that's pretty cool. And I was already selling it to other companies. And uh, they came to me and said, hey, we wanna buy your software. And uh, I said, well, maybe I'm here to buy your software. Like, let's figure <laughs> right. out which he's what, right? <laughs> and uh, after several conversations, uh, they did end up buying our software. I ended up becoming their director of sales uh, for the first five years. And my whole job was to help this industry understand that technology was a thing. It is coming. You need to get on board with it. And hopefully you'll get on board with ours. Like I was educating with why um, uh, technology was so important and hoping that our software was the right answer. And it was in most of our cases. But throughout all that time, I was there for five years. I've been in the back office of over a thousand different businesses and saw every way that all of these guys did things. And, and I had this epiphany moment. I was like, wow, he does it different and he does it different and she does it different. And, and like, and I did it different but we're all getting a similar result from the good ones, right? And I went, ah, there's not just one way to do this, but what do they have in common? What do, what do all these people have in common? And, and I started to notice some commonalities in good leadership, strong culture, uh, good processes, marketing and sales was strong. They were able to recruit and hire and they trained well. And uh, I would go in and sell software and, and people knew who I was because of my company uh, previously. And they would ask me like, how'd you do that? How'd you build this? And I would, I would invariably get into these consulting coaching type conversations over and over. I have an hour on selling the software, three hours on, hey, just some pointers on running your business. And uh, as I was going through that, you know, there's, there's that friction again that friction between who I was and what I was doing. And uh, I could feel it. Another one of those epiphany prayer moments, or whatever you want to call it. Another like, click. Hey, something's, <laughs> just, something's just not going right. Um, and it's not that I hated the job. I was super passionate about uh, the company, the technology and all that other good stuff. I loved what I was doing. But there, just the feel wasn't there. And so I went to that same place and uh, the word, I, like I get one word each time and the word was resign. <laughs> that's a, like, that's a very what? strong word. Yeah, like, that's really? an action word. <laughs> yeah, that's an action word. You got to do that, right? Not a preposition, an action word, a verb. <laughs> and, uh, and I did the next day. I flew from Texas to uh, Beloit, Wisconsin, turned in my resignation letter. Another one of those faces I'll never forget was the CEO's face whenever I, because I was the face that I, I was the guy everybody knew. Right. And he's like, how is this going to look on the business and all that? And I'm like, hey, I've already thought about that. We'll put out a big press release and I will fully endorse everything you guys do and how much I love you, but it's time for me to, to walk a different path. Right. He goes, what are you going to do? 
I don't know. I really don't. I had first time I ever left something not knowing what I was going to do next. Most of the time it was a step up or in a place where I felt challenged and that type of thing. And I'd never done anything in my life to that point for more than about four or five years before I started to get bored. And I would have to evolve and change and challenge. And uh, so I walked away from that meeting after getting the press release put together. They put it out the next day while I was flying home and I landed and my phone went off like crazy. I had bing, 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 bing. And, and what that was is a bunch of contractors calling me saying, hey, I want you to be a partner. I want you to come in and run my company. Uh, offering exorbitant amounts of money to do so and all those type of things. And uh, I was not, in, I didn't even return a call. Hmm. But then one of the other messages was your grandfather's in the hospital. And he went in today. Oh boy. And I dropped everything. I, I didn't even go home. I went straight to hospital where he was. And I proceeded to spend the next uh, five days uh, without sleeping because he wasn't sleeping. And uh, he and I, for whatever weird reason, I know this probably shouldn't be part of the story, but whenever you give us any kind of pain medication, we do the opposite of everybody else. Everybody else goes, yeah, yes, that's great. I'm we got to have paranoid and everybody's out to get us. Yeah. And uh, so, um, but I did get to spend the last three months of his life with him. And he passed on to me. Uh, maybe the most valuable pieces of information I've ever received. He asked me, what am I going to do? And I gave him a saying, I don't know. I think I'm just going to fish and golf. That's kind of the game plan. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> You'll do that for a little while, but that ain't you. Um, he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, man, I want to be a college basketball coach. He's like, really? I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I did some of that. Uh, 20 years ago and I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And I think I'm going to pursue it. He goes, I don't think they're hiring 42 year old student assistants. And I went, well, there's probably some truth to that. He goes, what is it? Do you like about it? Is it the basketball or the coaching? And I didn't realize that day how insightful that was. It was actually after he passed that I realized it caused me to think. Like, was it, was it actually the sport or was it the coaching? And I said, I can't answer that question right now. I'll, 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 let me think about it. I'll come back tomorrow. And I came back and I said, it's the coaching. And, I, and I, here's why. Because I've coached baseball and I love that. I've coached sales and I love that. I've coached businesses and I love that. And I like wearing a hat. I like wearing coaching gear. I, I, like, that's kind of me. And he goes, okay, good. What are you great at? And I went, this contracting thing, I'm pretty good at. And he goes, why don't you coach that? And that was the start of this whole thing. And, and it, it was funny because whenever I first started, the idea was to get the best of both worlds. I'll coach a couple of companies and I'll go fish and golf in the afternoon. Um, God had different plans. I was in the right place doing the thing that fulfilled me, uh, who I was. And uh, it's actually turned into like a real business now. Uh, well, have, Jim, uh, first, let me, let me say, I'm sorry for your loss. Sure for your, <laughs> your grandfather. I, I know I've lost both my parents. Uh, I didn't know my grandparents. I knew one of them, but I know how hard it is. But look what he did. He passed hey. on something to you that in, ja that in Japan is known as Ikigai. Are you familiar with that concept? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am so actually what, very familiar with that. 
Right. So what you've just described to our listeners and to those listening, I want you to take three circles and create a Venn diagram. And what Jim just went through from the advice of his father is three things. What do I love? What am I good at? And what's going to get me paid? Jim, what you and and that's a good thing that that's how because so so let me let me let me stop there. Were you conscious of ikigai at the time? Your reason for being? Did you do that exercise? Um, No, I didn't. Uh, But I became familiar with it later on as I started to. Well, I wanted to be a great coach, so Mm -hmm. I, I started reading even more than I had before. Really studying, I stopped watching just regular stupid TV and watched like really good um, shows, podcasts, read, and just I'm a vacuum for that type of information. And unfortunately, earlier on in my career, I had gotten a lot of really good leadership and sales um, uh, training and and certifications and all that good. So I had a good base to start with, but I was delving more into the self, you know, the, the who we are. And it's funny that you mentioned Ikigai because I spent a lot of time there and uh, I have a plan. Um, my plan is to retire on September 4th of 2024. And uh, I have already got plans to be in Okinawa on the Northeast coast. Yeah. Northeast mm-hmm. coast. Um, and that's where that Ikigai thing comes from is this one. It starts right there. It's like the epicenter of it. And it's where it's one of the five blue zones where the most centurions live. And uh and right. so I'm going to go spend six months to a year there. And just oh, my God. Have- and what is it about September? Tw- That's so cool because the Okinawa diet, I, I don't know if it's because of what they eat, but what you're going into is a place where they live beyond 100, but they don't just live, they thrive beyond 100. What is it about September 24th? <laughs> it's September 4th. Oh, September 4th. Um, it's my birthday. It's my, oh, it'll cool. be my 55th birthday. Gotcha. And uh, so, uh, and and that's what I'm working on right now is, positioning all the great people in my business to start to step into those roles that I'm owning right now. And, and don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm going to quit working or anything like that, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue a few things to help me take my next step and have my next uh, involvement. And uh, I want to help a bunch of people. I really do. That is so fantastic. And, And for you to up and go to that place in, in Japan and to live your ikigai, there's no greater fulfillment. I want to end in a few in a, with a few things. Jim, for all of our listeners, we, we typically ask the question, what do you want them to think, feel, and do about their lives? So let, let, and then, and then I'll finish with my hero, Winston Churchill, because you apply to something that is very prevalent in what he describes about how we live our lives. So to our audience, you have lived, you've had a click and a couple different transformations. And to those listening that haven't had a click, what do you want them to think or feel about the possibility of that? (laughs) Well, when you first made that statement, I said, what do they, what do I want them to think? My instant reaction was to that was more. Mm -hmm. I want them to think more. I don't think we take nearly enough time to think. I think the reality is most of the time, any of our thinking that we do is in reaction mode to the outside uh, stimulus that we're receiving. The world is constantly throwing noise at us and we're constantly reacting and usually emotionally reacting to the things that we hear outside with a lot of opinions. But we don't usually take much time to think deep, to think um, about the impact that we can have. 
And I would challenge anybody out there, regardless of your station in life, your socioeconomic status, your race, your color, your creed, any of those things, you have the same power as any other human being walking this planet to have an impact far broader than what you may believe at this point, because you might not know who you are yet. Yeah, the old expression, if you don't know who you are, one day the world is going to tell you, and the world <laughs> is, is, is telling you that. I appreciate that. I, I, I want to end with something that Winston Churchill speaks of. When you opened up the show, what you talked about, and you put us into a place, you put us in a place, not on it. You put us in Wisconsin, and you talked about an Acura, and you talked about a 5,000-square-foot log house, a, a lodge, so to speak. And what you talked about are these things that you had, these things that we get. And what Winston Churchill said, he made the distinction between making a living and making a life. And before your click, what you did is you made your living and you manifested that living in these wonderful objects that we tend to use as markers of success, the Acura, the house, whatever that is. And it's all well and good. And I don't diminish them. And I think they're important if they are part of somebody's dream. But after your click, it's not that you weren't making a living. You were now making a life because Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And your click was the transition from what you got to what you decided to give. And look at the outcome. Well done, Jim. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's something I wish everybody would do. Like, it's, it, it's it's hard. I think it's a scary thing for somebody to go, okay, I'm really this person that has joy. That's what I bring to the world. I bring joy to the world. My wife is that person. She brings a lot of joy to the world. And uh, and she, she, you know, being married to me, we've kind of walked down this path already. But um, you might not go, hey, that's a way that I can make money. Right. And so, but because there is a part of that. We've got to financially survive and, and live our world. But here's the thing the more she does what she is great at, the more that comes back to her than she ever thought would come back. No doubt. By a long shot. We are so blessed. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'll, I'll be clear with all I still like nice things. And you should. And I don't, and I don't have the sports car. I don't, I don't find as much joy in those things anymore. And I'm a lot more mindful of the thing. Like my big thing right now is I got a really nice smoker because I enjoy. <laughs> That's a good. I en <laughs> yeah, I enjoy like barbecuing. And the reason why do I enjoy barbecuing? Not because of the act of barbecuing or eating the barbecue. It's the serving of the barbecue to everybody else and seeing the their life joy. You've made. Yeah, and and it's an expensive smoker, right? Like I didn't skimp on it or anything like that. That's okay. Just know what you're about before you do it. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, what a, Jim, this has been a wonderful time spent with you. Let, let, let's go back to our listeners. Where do we find you? Uh, you'll find us at contractorcoachpro.com. Uh, if, you, if you need any help in, in trying to figure out that why and the who and the gap between, that's what we do and what we help with with entrepreneurs all across the world. 
Um, click on the assessment button, take the little assessment. If you're a contractor, especially, it's really going to speak to you. Um, if you want to follow me and just keep up with me, we have a podcast called Contractor Radio. We'd love for you to listen to uh, we all the Facebook stuff and go look up the Jim Johnson because there's a billion of us, right? Like Jim Johnson, <laughs> yeah. everybody's like, what are you running from, right? Um, so I just put a little the in front of me to make it easier to find or the contractor coach on Instagram. We're on all that stuff. Um, uh, search us out and follow us. Uh, check us out on YouTube, contractorcoachpro.com. And uh, we're here to we're here to share all the tools, all the tactics, all the stuff you need, and it doesn't cost anything. If you want to get it in order, you want to apply it to your business, come work with us. We'll probably help you in ways that you might not realize you have the potential to do yet. And our guest today, as we opened up this show with the lesson and prepositions for the distinction between in and on, he recognizes that all of you are waking up so that you can work inside your business. But to the extent that you need help, and we are all each other's teachers, there is someone out there that can help you to work on it. And if we find the combination and we integrate what you are doing in and what a great leader and coach does on, before you know it, we've turned that into an action. So Jim, thank you very much for coming on to a climb to the top. It was wonderful to hear your story and I thank you for sharing it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. You bet. And to our listeners, you have listened to Chuck Garcia on a climb to the top. My guest today is Jim Johnson. We come every week with stories of transformation and what a privilege and an honor it was to host Jim and hear his story of transformation. You can hear us on C-Suite Radio, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, and of course, watch us on YouTube. Go to my website, chuckgarcia.com, where you can click on the radio show tab, the podcast, and you can hear and watch A Climb to the Top. And Jim, what it is, what a pleasure it was. And I look forward to collaborating with you in any respect and hopefully joining you in Okinawa. <laughs> uh, it was an honor. Uh, and, I'm, and I mean that. It was an honor to be on your show. I've gotten to know you a little bit here over the last uh, few weeks, and I know it hasn't been long, but I can tell that you genuinely care about the people that you not only serve, but the people that you work with to serve them. So uh, that aligns with me quite well. Well, thank you very much. There are kindred spirits, and we find people who are culturally compatible as you and I are kindred spirits. What a joy it is. God only knows what we're going to do together. But for now on, for from here on in, to our listeners, thank you very much. We are we're bidding you a good day, good evening, wherever you are, and thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>